there is so much shame around the topic. Socially, it is so difficult for us to have honest conversations about this. In the United States, one in every four women will experience some form of domestic violence in their lifetime. On a global level, according to the World Health Organization, one in every three women will experience a form of domestic violence in their lifetime. The fact that many of you have unknowingly met a woman that is currently in an abusive situation. She could be the person checking you out at the grocery store. She could be your local pharmacist. She could be your doctor. She could be your coworker. Or she can be your professor. She could be your daughter. She could be your best friend. Hi, family. Welcome back to the second episode of The Gilded Journal. I can't tell you how happy it makes me to be able to say the second episode. Before I dive into today's topic, I just want to say thank you so much to every single person who has helped me along this journey and making my dream come true of creating this platform and this space for domestic violence awareness. Shedding light on this topic is so important to me, not only because I have personally been through it myself, but also because I know that sadly this is such a common problem. The statistics show in the United States, one in every four women will experience some form of domestic violence in their lifetime. On a global level, according to the World Health Organization, one in every three women will experience a form of domestic violence in their lifetime. That statistic is heartbreaking. It's hard to think about the fact that this many women experience it, yet there is such little awareness around the topic. And in fact, there's so much shame around it. Socially, it is so difficult for us to have honest conversations about this, yet it affects so many of us, which is where my inspiration actually came from for being called the Unseen Femme as the host of The Gilded Journal. My inspiration came from the fact that many of you have unknowingly met a woman that is currently in an abusive situation. And she could be the person checking you out at the grocery store. She could be your local pharmacist. She could be your doctor. She could be your coworker who's a software developer. She can be your professor. She could be your daughter. She could be your best friend. I can't stress enough that there is no stereotype for an abused woman. And in fact, holding on to that makes it even more dangerous because it makes us miss warning signs that we otherwise may have been able to see because our brains are so conditioned to say, you know, that a woman doctor or a successful woman in tech is not what an abused woman looks like, we might miss out on red flags that are right in front of us and continue keeping us as unseen. If we take the U.S. statistic alone, if it's one in every four, in one hospital, there are more than four female doctors. If we look at tech companies, there are thousands of women working for tech companies. And that's why this platform is so important so that we have a safe space to validate each other's experiences, but also to bring in allies to have this conversation with us because we can't change this alone. This isn't a woman's only problem. We need men to step into this conversation. We need allies that are willing to 
condemn domestic violence and start shifting the conversation from what women have done to provoke this to to why are men doing this in the first place. And because of the fact that there's such a stigma tied to this topic and it's socially not as acceptable to talk openly about domestic violence, it's hard for us to even define what it is, what it means. It's hard for us to even know that you can be abused without somebody physically touching you. There are so many nuances to the definition of domestic violence, but many of us don't know that because it's so taboo to talk about it. But it's very important that we know what it even means so that we can identify it when we're in it, but we can also identify it as an outsider, as an ally, as a friend that might not see warning signs if we don't even know what domestic violence truly is. Which brings us to the topic of today's episode. In this episode, I'm going to be defining what domestic violence is and what it entails. There are layers to it and it's a complex topic. I'm dedicating today's episode to teen domestic violence awareness. One in every three teens experience dating violence. So again, if you're listening to this wondering if you're in this situation or as an ally, a parent who wants to learn how to identify warning signs, then this episode is for you. In this episode, I will be referencing various sources such as the World Health Organization, the National Domestic Violence Hotline. I will be including all of the sources I referenced today in the details section of the episode. So I've talked a little bit about the statistics about it. Let's talk about some terminology to get started. It's often referred to as domestic violence, but it's also referred to as intimate partner violence. So for the remainder of the episode, I will refer to them as either DV or IPV and use them interchangeably. So IPV or DV refers to to behavior by an intimate partner or ex-partner that causes physical, sexual, or psychological harm, including physical aggression, sexual coercion, psychological abuse, and controlling behaviors meaning that somebody could be suffering of IPV or DV without actually being physically harmed. The psychological abuse can have just as lasting effects as the physical abuse. The trauma inflicted by both is valid. All relationships have conflict, of course. The difference is whether it's abusive conflict versus non-abusive conflict. Abusive conflict involves the perpetrator using cruel or violent behavior motivated by the desire to actually hurt, control, manipulate, scare, humiliate, disrespect, intimidate, or devalue the victim. Abusive behavior is said to be based on a foundational belief in superiority and authority over the other partner. I think that's such an important piece of information because... When we seek superiority or authority, we see this played out many times uh, over and over in our society. In any situation where we see superiority and authority over any particular group of people, whether that be from an abusive man to woman, a white supremacist to a person of color, the dynamic is the same where it creates an abusive relationship. It creates trauma. These people believe that the other partner has to obey their demands at no other cost, even if it means 
physically harming them or psychologically harming them. An example of non-abusive conflict is respectful behavior motivated by the desire to actually communicate to the other person their point of view. Non-abusive behavior is based on the foundational belief that freedom of both partners to decide what they will or will not do to resolve the conflict. Within IPV, there are patterns that you can identify One of those is the cycle of violence, which was identified by Dr. Lenore Walker in her book, The Battered Woman. So I'm going to explain to you what those three phases are. So phase one is the tension building phase. This is as tension builds for the abuser and the victim is doing everything that they can to keep the abuser calm. But both parties know that it's only a matter of time until there's an outburst from the abuser. Phase two is the explosion phase. So this is the outburst. This is when the battering occurs and one of of the four forms of abuse is inflicted upon the victim. And phase three brings us to the honeymoon phase. So that's when the abuser says that they are so sorry and they are trying to make it up to the victim, promising that it's not going to happen again. And then there's rec- some sort of reconciliation between both parties, but eventually the the cycle leads back up to that tension building phase and the cycle repeats itself. And in phase two, I mentioned, you know, one of four types of, of methods of abuse are used against the victim. So that kind of brings the question, like, what actually is abuse? When is it abuse? So I'm going to go through a list of five examples of when it is abuse. So the first one is regarding physical harm. So they touch you in anger or put you in fear in other ways. They coerce you into having sex or sexually assault you. The next is repetitive controlling behavior. So their controlling, disrespectful, or degrading behavior is a pattern, and they undermine your progress in life. Three, they blame you for their own behavior. So they... So they may retaliate against you for complaining about their behavior and they tell you that your objections to their mistreatments are your own problem. They blame you for the impact of their behavior and they justify their hurtful or frightening acts by saying that you made them do it. The third is insincere apologies. So they give apologies that sound insincere or angry and they demand that you accept them or they give extremely heartfelt apologies but after some time the abusive behavior continues anyway and then the fourth one the last one is mind games so they deny what they did they deliberately attempt to manipulate you to confuse you this is also called gaslighting Gaslighting is such an important thing to talk about, and I'm actually going to dedicate an episode to going through what exactly gaslighting is. And of course, I just want to take a moment to say that if you are experiencing domestic abuse, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. And if you fear your immediate safety, you can always call 911. I can't tell you how shocked I was. When I actually left the abusive relationship, I started doing a lot of research on domestic violence, and I found that a lot of the signs that were there were literally like word for word 
describing the behaviors that I had experienced. It's incredible how predictable it is and how apparent and easy it is to identify it. Yet when you're in it, it's so hard to see it. And because I had never researched it while I was in the relationship, I always just assumed that I was over-exaggerating or or maybe I was making this up in my mind because I had nothing to validate what I was going through. Now, here's where the complexity piece that I was mentioning before comes into play. Not every state has the same definition for what is legally considered to be domestic violence. So obviously that leaves women at a disadvantage depending on what state they live in. So I'm going to use the state of California as an example. So Governor Newsom actually signed the course of control bill for domestic violence victims in the state of California. So that bill actually just went into effect as of January 1st, 2021. And thanks to that, it means that now it allows charges against abusers for financial abuse, psychological abuse, and coercion. The author of No Visible Bruises, Rachel Louise Snyder, highlights an example of this in her book about a man who kept a rattlesnake in a cage and threatened to put it in his wife's bed if she didn't do what he wanted. Other than the state of California, Hawaii is the only other state that has passed a similar bill, meaning that there are 48 other states that don't have a bill that protects victims in this way. So you can see how complex just state by state alone the issues get, let alone globally when there are countries that don't even have the most basic fundamental laws protecting women against violence from their husbands when they are considered property, for example. Sadly, we live in a society that not only normalizes this type of behavior, but actually romanticizes abusive-like behavior. I can't tell you how many teenage girls I've spoken to who have experienced IPV, and a lot of them have expressed to me how the books that they read romanticize abuse to the point that when they were in these relationships, they thought back to the books that they read and thought, no, like this, it's just that this is love. Like this is how love is supposed to be. This is how love was in, you know, the book my friends and I read that we loved so much. And these girls that I've met are truly exceptional students. They are avid readers. And normally we're like, our kids are reading great. But if we're not careful with the context and the content of what they're reading, then these wrong messages can influence young girls from the beginning. And then at the same time, romanticizing it in a way that makes it okay for men to behave that way. I can think back even to some of my favorite like Disney movies growing up as a kid. Um, I loved Beauty and the Beast. And now I look back and realize the fundamental message in that story is that, you know, her love changes him for the better. She fixes him despite the fact that he has locked her up and taken and isolated her. But then somehow her love saves him and then they live happily ever after. Beauty and the Beast is just one example of many stories out there that have this same pattern. We grew up thinking that our love can change people. We grew up thinking of love 
as this magical saving grace when in fact healthy love does not look like that. Of course, I can't change this narrative alone, but we can definitely change it as a collective. I can't stress enough the value of allyship. An allyship doesn't need to look like, you know, you helping a person who's in that situation one-on-one. Allyship can look like opening up the conversation, helping us remove the taboo around talking about domestic violence. If the company you work for has affinity groups and you have talks about privilege, talk about this. Talk about how living in a safe home and a safe environment is a privilege because not everybody has that. And like I mentioned, that statistic globally, one in every three women will experience this this in their lifetime. And on top of it, with that global statistic, 38% of all murders of women globally are reported as being committed by their intimate partners. Which means that if you work in any organization with a few hundred people, there are women within your organization who are suffering this right now. Like I said, no matter what industry you're in, because no level of education and no industry makes a person immune to this. So we need you to be a voice in the room when we're not in the room. And if you have any level of privilege, even more of a reason for you to be an advocate for us. It really makes a big difference. I genuinely believe it's like the beginning of pushing the wheel towards a future free of domestic violence. So whether you listen to this episode as an ally or as somebody who is in an abusive relationship, someone who has been in one and is healing from one, I so appreciate you being here and listening and taking the time. I just want to say no matter what phase in this process you are, You are not alone, and you're not damaged goods. You are just as important and just as valuable and just as much of a treasure as anyone else. I know I used to be so self-conscious about what people would think of me if they knew what I had been through, but I realized that all of the shame that I felt around it was because in some way I felt that that's all that defined me when really... We come to a point when we think that that's all that defines us because that's all our mind is wrapped around. This fight or flight instinct, this flight or flight mode that we're constantly in when we're in that type of an environment. But the reality is that we are so much more than that. I remember when I first left the abusive relationship, I couldn't even answer a basic question of like, what do you like to do? Um, What are your hobbies? Because I, my mind was so wrapped in the toxicity that I had forgotten who I was. So to all of my fellow Unseen Femmes, I challenge you to make a list of your hobbies, your favorite things to do, what makes you happy. And try to incorporate just one of those items. Maybe you add one once a week. It's so lovely to connect with yourself in that way again. It's been so great connecting with you all on today's episode. I look forward to connecting with you all again next week. Look out for new episodes of The Gilded Journal every Thursday. Every other week, I'll be joined by a guest who either inspired me throughout my journey. We will also be joined by other Unseen Femmes as well as experts around domestic violence. And although our focus is domestic violence, 
In our episodes, we'll be talking about everything from women's empowerment to femicide, to anything that falls under the umbrella of creating a more equitable world for women and girls. For next week's episode, we'll be joined by Coach Seal Hansen, which you don't want to miss because she has so much great advice. She's incredibly insightful and has over 25 years of experience in helping people heal from toxic relationships. I can't wait to see you all there next week. Today's closing quote is by Anais Nin. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk to blossom. (laughs) 